0: chapter 7 of the heart's kingdom this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by k hand the heart's kingdom by maria thompson davies chapter 7 the tristan love song After dinner father and I sat out on the porch in the soft warm breeze that waved a misty spring moonlight around us and talked garden until after ten o'clock He was brilliant and delightful, but three times he made trips to ice-bowl and decanter on the sideboard It will be a great relief and happiness to me if Nicholas does sanction and set the seal of artistic approval upon our plans He said with feverish, but happy eyes you see nicholas will represent the cosmopolitan in judgment upon the normally developed insular i remember once that mr justice harlan said that in an opinion on freight rates i had sent up to him i had represented both the cosmopolitan and the insular interest with astonishing equity and i told him that i considered that it took at least six generations of insular mind culture to see any kind of national equity the same thing holds good with the garden it takes the sixth generation on a piece of land to produce a garden and then it has to be laid out around a library full of the ideals of poet and scholar in about three years i can with your permission present the american nation with a garden that will represent the best ideals of americans and i must go to bed if i expect to get up and hunt the early worm i can never decide which is the harder work the capture of that creature of tradition or the arousing of dabney to perform that task you dabney yes sir came a sleepy groan from just within the door and in a second the old black face was lit up with father's candle until the white wool above shone like a halo as it appeared from out the gloom and I sat and watched the two old gentlemen one black and one white toil slowly up the steps and down the wide hall of the poplars father must come back The nation needs him I said fiercely under my breath as I noticed that in Dabney's hand swung the ice bucket where I had been Accustomed to see it swing for years, but which I had not seen him carry before since I came home And that's how you help him fight to come back. I Arraigned myself with bitter scorn you have no faith nor spiritual sources yourself And you throw him back into degradation when something is helping him crawl out What's helping him? no matter what it is you are a coward to obstruct it and for a long hour i sat thus raging at myself and questioning hopelessly while the young moon rose higher and higher over the tops of the silvery poplars and the young spring slipped about in the light and shadows invisible except for perfumed wreathings of gossamer mist above i heard father pacing up and down his rooms slowly almost feebly sometimes he would hesitate then I would hear him stop beside the window where I knew the ice-bowl and the decanter were placed upon a table Which had stood beside the head of his bed so burdened since my early childhood I had always dreaded his moroseness and instinctively felt the cause of it I had never really loved him until just the last few days And now I felt my love rise in a tide that threatened to overwhelm me. Oh I have found him and now I've thrown him away. I sobbed to myself Then, as I sat listening, I heard the faltering steps come out into the hall above, descend the steps one by one, go through the dark dining-room groping pitifully, and down the side-steps out into the beloved garden. Silently I watched the tall figure with the white hair silvered radiantly by the moonlight go slowly down the path, past the old grey-beard poplars, and even up to the lilac hedge that ran as a bulwark in front of the dark chapel door, which I could see was ajar, as it always is he's going for help i muttered to myself and i felt the padding of fear pursuing me while also something of the methodist grandmother within me began a queer calling and a tightening at my throat then something happened that interested me so that i lost all personal anxiety father stopped beside the hedge and picked up something from the grass i saw it was a long heavy hoe Walking over to a long bed of early roses. He and Dabney had been fertilizing in the late afternoon He bent feebly and began to dig the food into their roots as He swung the long handle each blow upon the soft earth became more decided I crept down behind the old snowball bush to be nearer him I didn't dare go to him in his fight because I had in my selfish heedlessness brought it all on but in a little while he was not alone for a bent old figure with grizzled white wool sticking out from under a red flannel nightcap came quietly along the path with a hoe in his hand fell in directly behind his master and began a rhythmic blow answering blow contest with the fragrant earth and the demon within the man for at least an hour the two old friends worked up and down the long bed until i could see father begin to totter with weakness now come on mass nick honey and go to bed i'll pour a bucket of cistern water over you and rub you down so as you'll sleep like a bug in a rug the staunch old comrade crooned with a mother note in his voice as he took father's heavy hoe and shouldered it with his i think evening exercise is good for me dabney answered father with all the dignity and command come back into his voice put both those hoes in the tool-house at this time and i'll not tell mr Goodlow you left one down by the lilac hedge "'Yes, sir. Thank you, sir, for not telling him,' answered Dabney, as he followed his master to the tool-house under the back steps, deposited the garden implements where he was directed, and then again followed his idol in through the long dining-room window and was lost in the shadow. I went back to the front steps again and sank down, put my arms on my knees, and let my head fall upon my clasped hands.' As I sat there alone, with the dark house yawning behind me in its emptiness, someone sat down beside me and laid a warm, strong hand on my interlaced and strained fingers for just about a half a second. "'Please forgive me about the apple dumplings and the hard sauce,' a merry, lovely voice pleaded. "'I went out to Old Harpeth with you when you asked me, but I loathe going to church. I haven't been in one since I was strong enough to rebel, and I'm not going to yours,' was the apology I graciously offered in return for that about the apple dumplings but i'd pay fifty dollars for a tenth row seat to hear you sing tristan in the metropolitan any day if i had to go hungry for a week to pay it i added as i laughed as softly as he had pleaded all the sorrow and strain of the last hours had vanished at the touch of his hand and i felt like an impish teasing child i'll sing some of it for you now if you'll give fifty cents to mother spurlock for the children's day picnic and it'll be a bargain you are getting was the unexpected offer i encountered and a freezer of vanilla ice cream to boot. I assented generously, and then something happened to me—the like of which I know never happened to anybody in all the world, and that could only happen the once to me. Gregory Goodloe drew a little closer to me, and bent his great gold head until his face was just off my left shoulder, and in his powerful, rich, fascinating voice, which he muted down in a way that made it sound as if he were singing through a golden cloud he sang tristan's immortal love agony in a way that shut out all the rest of the universe and left me alone with him in a space swayed by his pleading until my mortal body shook in actual pain don't i can't stand it i gasped as i seized his wrist in my strong hands and wrung it stop the last tender note breathed itself into the air that seemed to hold it in a long caress until it died away and sobs shook me as i held on desperately to his wrist i felt that i must be comforted and i was again the gentle fingers were laid over mine for a still smaller fraction of a second and then again the beautiful clear voice began to sing to me just to me out of the whole world abide with me fast falls the eventide," he chanted and then waited while my sobs died away and i let go my drowning grasp on his wrist that's just what i mean that's just why i wouldn't have any more respect for myself if i should go to your church than if i joined in one of mammy's foot washings down at the river and fell in a fit of shouting in which it took two burly coons to hold my spirit down as she describes those gymnastics to me i hate you and i hate my friends for indulging in religion because it is just as potent an agent of intoxication as exists today, and it blinds us to the need of working along scientific lines for the immediate improvement of the race What right have we to intoxicate reason with religion if religion is anything it must be reason I fairly hurled my words of half-baked skepticism at him with the vision of father and Dabney digging in the garden still in my eyes I felt just as you do about it a year ago today he answered me quietly as you state the case of religion as emotion versus reason it doesn't exist religion is reason plus emotion And when you combine the two the eyes of your soul are open whereas they had been closed nobody can tell you about it but you begin really to live when you see and comprehend yes it is going to take all the scientific reason the world possesses to start its salvation but it will not get far without emotion as you call what i know is the love of god and through that love compassion for man the assumption that every man is blind who does not believe as you do stops all argument i said scornfully I didn't come to talk religion with you I came over to get that apple dumpling off my conscience as I couldn't digest it because it wasn't there I preached twice on Sunday and on Wednesday night and I'm in my study behind the altar every afternoon that I'm not playing tennis I'll be there any time by appointment the worldly and protective raillery in that young Methodist minister's voice almost interrupted my religious researches but I was in depths that were strange to me and I was floundering for a line out I'll never be there i flared at him then went on with my floundering if a man is blind how can he gain the sight that you arrogate to yourself a great man once prayed lord help thou my unbelief was the gentle answer in which was that queer note of apostolic surety with which i heard him address the woman in the garden that night i can't pray there's nothing there i said in a very small voice that i could scarcely recognize as my own Oh, I mean that we are all floundering and where can we get the life-line where did you get that line that you think will pull you out of the Vortex then for a long moment he and I sat again involved in the emptiness of the universe that Tristan's love-song had opened for us And I knew that with ruthless feet. I had entered his Holy of Holies and was being allowed to stand across the threshold Forgive me I gasped I never felt that I could tell it before he said slowly and the bounds of the emptiness retreated still further away as he turned so that he sat facing me and again bent his dull gold head closer to mine in a second I knew why in my mind I had been calling him a harpeth jaguar it was just my pictorial expression for the word freedom the freedom that comes from power I knew that mentally and bodily I was looking upon the first free man I had ever encountered and I was abashed don't tell me i said with a gentleness in my voice i had never heard before and that came from something i felt to be strangely like meekness though i had never before met that emotion in myself you know the romance of my father's life the soft voice went on speaking as if i had not interrupted him but nobody knows the tragedy love for my mother came upon him like an arrow shot out of ambush and he married into a worldly pleasure-loving agnostic circle of people who all adored and flattered him until he he became confused and doubting he had transgressed the law yoke not yourself with unbelievers and he suffered she never understood it killed him and when he had been dead nearly twenty years i found the diary he kept months before he died it was last year just after her death it was a cry to me who at that time was a mere babe and it it lighted the flame he had almost let go out as I read the apostolic call came to me and I answered I was starting to the front in France and I went on my year there was a series of experiences that gave me my surety one day it came more clearly than ever I had gone out into one of the trenches of the first line because I am so strong that I can carry any man back to the stretchers across my back or in my arms I have carried two at a time there were nineteen men in the trench and I made the twentieth suddenly a machine gun found the range and mowed them all down like cornstalks or wheat heads Only I was left standing bleeding under my left ribs I raised my voice and praised God for my surety of immortality and then fell while I was practically dying in the hospital with a clip in my lung I got suddenly and unaccountably well and strong and felt I must come back to try and help others to see what we must see to assure every man of his immortality when the race awakens to the fact that there will be no more use for machine-guns I may not help much but I can only try perhaps i do work through the emotions as yet but i believe that my ministry will have its fruits i can wait and the humility and patience in his voice beat against my heart and bruised it so that i cried out oh why did you come here i positively moaned as he and i both rose and i put out my hand as if to force him out of that aloneness in which we stood together america must lead the world in spiritual as well as material regeneration And this is the only real and dispassionate America with no foreign pull on its vitals you must wake up the cry has been heard to come over and help why do you fight the I can't help fighting I must do what I conscientiously believe I was saying with my hand still outstretched against him when suddenly the still place around us was invaded with a crash and its invisible walls thrown down charlotte came in nicholas's languid fascinating voice that always draws me to the edge of his world and greg Goodlow, by all that is good and holy in tennis flannels end of chapter seven